get to those later. So we have, we have a story here about Jesus and some of his closest friends. Mary and Martha, two sisters, and their brother, brother Lazarus, who's fallen sick and later dies. And we see that in the midst of this, there is ex- extreme pain. We're in the middle of a message series here at Lutheran Church of Hope titled, uh, Since You Asked. And what we're doing as a church is we're looking at some of the big questions of faith. Maybe some of those questions about faith, questions about God, questions about belief, that maybe you have mentally earmarked. You have set those aside because those are the, those are the, the hot items for you. There are questions that you're really uncertain about and questions you, frankly, just want answered. And so we've been going through this as a community, and you could argue with me, but I I think that for many of us, the question that we're dealing with today is, is, is one of the biggest questions we have as people. Questions that we deal with. Questions, well, the question, where is God when life hurts? if we have a God who loves us, if we have a God who is there for us, if we have a God that has promised to raise us to new life, hey, then where is God when life hurts? If God is a benevolent and loving God, then why do I encounter times in my life where I hurt so badly? Because couldn't God prevent that from happening? Couldn't God have prevented me from feeling this feeling that I'm feeling right now? And if there is one thing that I'm certain of in life, one thing I, have, and I am certain of more than anything else, is that throughout the course of my life, I will go through experiences where I will hurt. And where I won't just hurt a little bit, where I will hurt a lot. And I'm certain here this morning that many of us Maybe it's not you, but there are many of us that have come here this morning that have serious hurts going on in our life. Serious hurts. It it might be physical. It it might be sickness. It might be disease. It might be emotional pain, the loss of a relationship, the ending of a relationship, the death of a loved one. It might be uncertainty. It might be doubt. It might be loneliness. It might be despair. But one thing I am certain of is that a lot of us, and a lot of us here this morning, if we're going to be completely honest, come here this morning and we have real hurts. And it causes us to wonder, God, where are you? God, where have you been? One thing that I've noticed as I've gone on and as I've gone through this process of faith, is that there are two, not only two, but there are two reactions that really get to me when we talk about God and we talk about hurt. There are kind of two camps that we get pushed into, two responses that we get pushed into when we think about our faith and the idea of hurting. The first one, well, I experienced it about five years ago. 
I was in the middle of working at a church. I, I had a great job. Life was going really well. I was in a relationship with somebody that I really honestly thought very well could lead to marriage. And as time went on, all of a sudden I started to realize that this relationship was not healthy. It wasn't a good relationship, it wasn't a healthy relationship, and it was a relationship that I needed to get out of. And so I got out of the relationship, and after I got out of the relationship, I I was hurting because I was really feeling like I was lost. And I sat with a good friend of mine, a friend that I worked with at the church I was working at, and she and I were having a conversation, and I was explaining to her how much I was hurting. And her response to me was one that I will never forget. She said, Jeremy, you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And Jeremy, you should be rejoicing in this time of suffering. I looked at her and I said, are you you serious? I should be rejoicing? This is a good thing? And she said, well, Jeremy, you know that to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, means that you will suffer. And I think a lot of us have been told this very thing. That in order to be true followers of Jesus Christ, in our times of greatest suffering, we should somehow rejoice in the midst of that. That we should somehow welcome that time of of strife. Because it's going to produce something in us. And I agree with that. That sometimes in the greatest amount of hurt, God shows up the greatest. And amazing things are produced in our lives as we go through times of trouble. But I can't find anywhere where God will tell us that we should say, well, please just bring it on because I want just a little more hurt. I see nowhere in my life where, where God tells me, Jeremy, just, just bring it on yourself. Bring on more hurt. It's a good thing. You should welcome it. There is no place I can find in Scripture where it says... Well, celebrate your hurt. We can rejoice in our sufferings because we have a God who loves us. But it does not mean that in the midst of those difficult times that we have to always like it. The other spectrum that I think we get pushed into is, well, the spectrum that the writer of the the, the poem Footprints hits just so succinctly. The writer of this poem, foot, uh, the Footprints poem, talks about their life and talks about their life in a reflection, in a dream, where they see the course of their life played out as a walk on a beach. And the author is reminiscing, is remembering that throughout the course of life there were two sets of footprints that walked along this beach. And then the author notices something very peculiar. And the author notices that in the times where their life was the hardest, there was only one set of footprints. And the author pleads to God. The author asks God. says, God, you were with me. God, you walked alongside of me. But God, when the going got tough, you got going in the opposite direction. You abandoned me. You deserted me. You left me to fend for myself. 
And I think so oftentimes in our life, when we experience great times of hurt, when we experience that loneliness, when we experience the death of a loved one, when we experience the loss of a culture, there are so many times where we start to think to ourselves, God, where are you? Because if you are a God who loves me, if you are a God who has my best interest in mind, then God, why when I look at my life are there only one set of footprints? God, where have you gone? And we're going to look at those two things today. Because both of those perspectives aren't entirely wrong. But when taken to their extremes, they can do, well, pretty damaging things to ourselves and to our faith. I consider it a very big privilege to have Furman here with us this morning. I can talk about pain. But the, the pain that he has experienced, that, that they have experienced, is, is something that I think that, well, that we can learn from. That God's light's light can shine through. And so I'm going to invite Furman up here, and we're going to have just a brief conversation. And we can sit on stools, or we can stand up, whatever you would rather. But you're going to stand, and I'm going to stand. We're st- we are teachers, we stand. So I got a few questions that I want to ask Furman this morning. A few questions about where God is when life hurts. And the first question I have for you, Furman, is where have you experienced pain in your life? Uh, I think I do have a lot of examples, but let me just pick one of them. That made me very painful. Uh, it was a time when, in a single village, a small village of 4,000 people, we lost about nine women in two months. So imagine five families losing their mothers. So all of the wives died in two months. And this was the hand of witch people killing the women in that village. And mine went among them too. And that was not all. I lost also the same two months, two kids, one boy and one girl. I didn't cry at all because it was too much. I cannot forget that. And this was in a village where people will come and steal people from your homes. So anytime when you wake up, you need to call your neighbor and say, hey, are you there? You don't call. We don't have phones. You just go and knock at the door and ask, is everybody there? Is, are you there? So it was really very hard. You could see everybody crying. What are we going to do? Who will be next to die? That was really very bad to me. So you lost your wife. Yeah. The village lost eight other women. Mm-hmm. You lost both of your children. Yeah. People are being... Their lives are being taken. That's pain. So the second question I would have for you, and it will be up, is how how did you see God in these difficult times? Could you see God? Unfortunately, that time I was not saved yet, but I was a Christian attending a Catholic church, going sometimes, and other times staying home. I had a church close to me, and when I was in those pains, 
I remember one man who left his home and came to stay with me because imagine a house with four people, three are gone. You cannot sleep in that house by yourself. So he decided to come to me, cook food together, lived together, and he forget he forgot about his family because any time people can come and take your wife, take your daughter, any time. So they, every family needed a man to be there at the door, not sleeping, kind of watching over the family. But he left his family and came to stay with me. And this was a minister. And for one week, that was good enough to get me put together, put everything together. I saw God that time, and I joined the church right away. And since that time, I think I have never missed one Sunday going to church. But before that, I didn't go. I didn't. Why do I need to go there? So in a time where you are experiencing probably the greatest pain you've ever experienced, you, rather than be angry with God, you experience God yes. through somebody else. Actually, I was mad at God because when we were losing these people, we went to see the witch people who can help us give a protection with tradition, what we call traditional healers. You don't have them here, and when you have pain, you go to the doctor. In the camp, we have doctors, but we don't trust them more than what we, how we trust the witch doctors, the traditional healers. So I ran to them, spent all the money I had, and I was asking, if really there is a God, if I, I am a Christian, where is God? Why he allowed all my people to be taken. So that's why I didn't even go anymore to the church since I met that minister who spent those, that week with me, teaching me, asking me to read the Bible, praying with me. He was praying, closing the eyes, and I was looking at him like this. What are you doing here? <laughs> all my people are gone. You are praying your God. Is he going to bring them back? So it was really hard to, to believe God in that time. So your community, the people around you, helped you see God in the midst of your pain. Yeah, they, they did. They did. How are some other ways as a community, as, as people who have been transplanted, forced to, how else as a community do you see God working? How, how do you see God working in your community? Here or the other side? Both. Yeah, in the camp, we really live as a community. When you are in pain, people will come and stay long time with you, maybe by shift. These people will come and leave. As people come, others will, will leave. That's how we do the mourning in our country. Or when you, ha- you, ha- you are sick or you have somebody who is seriously sick, they will come with their Bible, with the choir, they sing. They really comfort you. We, we live as friends. And here, it is a little bit hard because we don't know the areas. We don't know even where the hospitals. We don't know how to use these elevators. We are scared using them. And we are also scared using the parking lots. We are scared using the bus. So if we have somebody who is really sick, we don't know how to help. And also, we don't speak the language. But... As a community, that's why you see we are, we try to build what I call tribal churches. 
so people who speak the same language be together and help one another. That's what we do. You see, from Furman's story, we see that, that life hurts. Life hurts. I can't, ex- I can't imagine the pain of lo- losing family like that. But you see, one thing that I noticed in his story, when I heard his story for the first time, is that there is something about community, something about being together where God becomes very real in the times of our suffering, where God becomes extremely present in the midst of our darkest times. In Romans 12, verse 15, we, we do this because we've been commanded to do it. Paul writes to the Roman people, he says, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. The command that we have of people who follow Jesus Christ is that we rejoice when it's time to rejoice. We do it as a community. We do it because we live and we are called to gather and be one. And we are also called to weep, to be present, to leave our family, to go sit and stand with someone who is encountering the most difficult pain that he could ever experience. We are called to leave what is comfortable to us and weep with those who weep. And we do that because we have a God that has done that for us. The gospel that was read today was from the book of John, Lazarus, Jesus' friend, who is also great friends with Lazarus' sister, Mary and Martha. Lazarus has died. Jesus is a ways away. He gets word that Lazarus has died. And Jesus comes. He doesn't come as quickly as Mary and Martha would have liked. And he comes and Mary and Martha say to him, Lord, if you would have been here... If you could have come earlier, we wouldn't have had to experience the death of our brother, the death of your friend. Jesus looks at them. Jesus sees them in the midst of their pain. And Jesus, being fully God yet fully human, doesn't look at them and say, well, well relax, I, I, I'm Lord of, of, of death. I will gain victory over death. Jesus is God. He knows that he will have the final word. He knows the eternal fate of Lazarus. He doesn't have any doubt in his mind what Lazarus will be doing eternally speaking. But Jesus sees a group of people who are in the midst of pain, who have lost sight of the promise that comes through Jesus Christ. So in John eleven thirty five, we find one of the most powerful scriptures in our whole Bible. Jesus looks at the people and simply said, then Jesus wept. We have a God who entered humanity. We have a God who became one of us. We have a God who has come, who has given his life, so that in the midst of our darkest times, he can speak truth. He can speak life into death 
and weep and encounter life with us. One of my favorite commercials, um, not because it was clever, not because it was funny, but what it represented uh, came out a couple years ago, and it was that it was a really annoying commercial, but it was the Verizon commercial where the guy would be talking on his cell phone and everywhere the guy went, he had a network of people that followed him around wherever he went. It didn't matter where he was, his network was always there. It was, it, it was shown to us in this commercial that if the guy ever had problems on his cell phone, his network would be there right with him, just working ready to take care of any problems that he may have. And as I look at this commercial, and it was called My Network, as I looked at this commercial, the reason I loved it is because I thought that's what it is to be a Christian. That's what it means to live lives as a community. That's what we are called to do as followers of this person named Jesus. We are called to be network for one another. We are called to be with one another that when one goes down, we are there to surround and to speak life into their death. To speak life into the most difficult of situations. Not to dismiss it. Not to tell them to rejoice in it. Not to tell them to be happy because they're suffering as a Christian. But to speak, de- to speak life, to say, Jesus is Lord even over that and to weep with them, and to comfort them, and to just be simply present during those most difficult times. And as you sit here this morning, my question to you is, who is your network? Who have you surrounded yourself with? And how can we partner with you in that? You see, we are called to be community. Where is God when life hurts? Well, God is with us. God is in the people that have surrounded us. God is in the midst of the person who has come alongside of us, who won't leave us, who makes sure that we are okay. To make sure that we know that there is nothing that God can't triumph over. In Romans 8, Paul says that what in all of this world should separate us from Christ Jesus our Lord? And Paul says nothing, neither life nor death, nor things above, nor things below, nor powers, nor principalities, no nothing in all of creation can ever separate you from the love that comes through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus himself says these very words in John 11. It's John eleven twenty five. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, live even after dying. Where have you experienced death in your life? Not physical. Where have you experienced pain, loss, despair? And how as a community can we communicate the everlasting love of Jesus Christ that went to the grave, 
that gain victory over death so that where the name of Jesus is proclaimed, life will be breathed in to your death. Where is God when life hurts? God is all around you. God is in the people who have surrounded you. God is in the people that have become our friends and guests who can teach us, who can speak in a much cooler way than us to give us life that nobody can touch, that can't be triumphed, that is ours for eternity. Will you thank Furman with me? Thank you so much. Thank you. And to that we say amen.